that, that's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. You might not think that a few simple words could make you crave McDonald's breakfast sandwiches. But if you listen closely to the sound of me saying, McGriddles, McMuffin, you might be wrong. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. We get a first down, we knock a lot of time off this clock. We can play the game right here. Your best play that you have in your book right now. Because you don't want to give Mahomes the ball back. Hey, man, we got can't, no sacks, obviously. Hey, alert the pressure. We cannot take a sack. Purdy looking left. Ball got tipped right out of his hand. McDuffie pressure. Nobody blocked him. Oh, that was one of the most important moments in Super Bowl 58. That was really the moment the game started and the moment the game could have ended. 49ers convert that third and four with two minutes to play in regulation. Chiefs have two timeouts. 49ers might have been able to milk the clock all the way down to zero or close to it before kicking a walk-off winner, a la like every Super Bowl the Patriots won, right? I mean, it just comes down to a field goal. You set it up, situational football, kick a field goal and win. They convert that play, they might be able to do it. Jake Moody could be on the Adam Vinatieri track. Instead, we had what we had. I've been watching the whole thing, the whole thing. It's so weird to watch the whole Super Bowl, the TV I haven't watched it back yet. There. Yeah, I watched it on film. I, I'm almost done. Right, okay, okay. I just recorded it last night because I, I do want to watch the, just the actual TV version, right? I'm done being Ron Jaworski. I watched the film and all that. Uh, but how was it watching it back before we dive into this stuff a little bit? It's always... And I hate the word surreal because it gets overused all the time. Everything's surreal. Everything's so surreal. Nothing's real anymore. It was surreal. It's just it always is because we were there in a very different perspective. You're watching the game in the press box. You're in the moment. I used to try to set things up so I would hear the game broadcast, but it was always kind of a distraction from taking it in live. They used to give you these tiny little radios where you could listen to either the TV broadcast or the Westwood One broadcast. Why don't they do that anymore? Well, because I think they they believe you can get it on your phone now. Yeah, that's what I had to do. You don't have these neat little radios that you'd hang from your ear. But there's a delay. We were talking about that the other day. Two plays behind when I was in the stands. Two plays behind. Right, right. Yeah, so, so it's hard to enjoy watching the game 
and taking in the moment if you're also paying attention to what's already transpired. So I don't even I don't even do that anymore. I remember there was a time where the TV broadcast was on and there was a way to get the video and audio to match through your phone so you could pick up the audio of any TV in your vicinity. There's some app out there that you can do that. I, I don't even I just like I don't want anything to distract from that one time a year when you're there in the moment enjoying the Super Bowl, and then you know you're going to go home and watch the whole thing anyway. But it is just very different yeah. to to see it and hear it when you've already lived it. I, it's I hear fun. That. It's just different. Right, right. No, I definitely want to check it out. I mean, come on. it's it's uh, Watching the Super Bowl on TV is really cool, as we know. Being there was really cool. I wish there was a way to list it in real time. You know, because now it wasn't the worst, but at the same time, being like two plays behind and not that I had it in all the time, but on like major moments, I wanted to know, you know, what exactly happened, right? They don't always show everything when you're inside the stadium. The Ray Ray McLeod, you know, fumbled punt return in real time. I was like, wait, I think that went off someone's foot, but I couldn't tell all the way. Hold on. Let me get the phone out and my NFL game pass and watch there. And, you know, got to wait a few seconds or whatever, but finally get to it to see it. Uh, I wish there was a way for the, the audience to kind of keep up with real time exactly what's happening, what's being reviewed, all of that. Uh, it, is, it is hard when you're in the stadium. I don't know why in the stadium they just don't play the, the, the telecast to a degree. Even during the commercial breaks. Why don't they put the commercial breaks on the screen? Everybody likes to watch it. I had 20 people around me during commercial breaks bringing out their phones so they could watch the commercials. There's always this talk about how can we make the in-game experience as good as the home home experience? Well, I mean, you could put the home in the stadium. Come on, NFL. Figure it out. It'd be a little bit better that way for all of us. All right, I'm done with that subject. They had this. No, no, no. But but, but look, they had this whole elaborate in-house production that they kept bothering us with. Nothing against any of the folks who were involved in it. But there was so much of that stuff. Even from the moment we got there and got set up in the press box when they weren't playing really loud music in the press box at Allegiant Stadium is open air. And I love it that way. In a lot of stadiums, you're like trapped behind glass like a goldfish and you don't really feel like you're part of the experience at Allegiant Stadium. You're out there in the crowd. You hear everything. But there was stuff they were playing on the Jumbotron before the game. I said to Shereen Williams at one point, do they think anybody here really cares about any of this stuff that they have on the screen? And, again, I'm not going to get into specifics. I'm not going to name names. But there was just a lot of stuff. And I'm thinking this is a missed opportunity because it was a lot of useless crap for hours before the game. And then during the game, they would do their own little in-house thing that no one cared about. I can speak on behalf of everyone there. Nobody cared. Um, another reason to have access to the radio broadcast, Kevin Harlan did it for Westwood One. And I ran into him. I'd never met him in all these years. The legend. I ran into him in the press box before the game. And he was so nice. And, you know, when you meet somebody for the first time, you never quite know how it's going to go. And it's a Super Bowl and everybody's happy. He was so nice. He was so complimentary. And I told him, dude, dude, like, you don't know on Sundays – when we're at NBC and we're watching the games, like one of the first questions is, where's the Harlan game? We need the Harlan game. We need to hear Kevin Harlan. And he just was very appreciative of that. And that would have been a reason to listen to the Westwood, Westwood One. One. Right. All apologies to Jim Nance and Tony Romo.
but it was Kevin Harlan on Westwood One. Yeah, no, I, I, I would have liked to. It'd, it'd be good to listen to that. He's the man. He is. He's like maybe you know he's up there as far as entertainment is concerned, play by play entertainment. The way he delivers things, it's all about. Says that, yeah, it, it is uh, about as a fun a listen as you could get. But uh, yeah, hey, I, I don't want to sit here and bag on the Super Bowl too much. It still was an amazing experience. Those are little things that I wish would be improved, just for the real football person, right? That I'm like, I gotta live the, I gotta talk about this the next day. I really want to know what happened. I'm not just here for like, oh look, Bieber's on the big screen. Oh look, it's Kim Kardashian. You know, I'm there for that. I like that. That's cool. But I also want to dive deep into the game and know what's going on and the nuances. And at times you, you feel a little left out when you're in the stadium. But, you know, it's not, I think, a critique. It's an effort to try to make it better. And why not play the commercials in the stadium? you got 61,000 people who are interested in watching right. what everyone at home, 123.4 right. million, are watching those commercials and I always feel like I'm behind or I've missed the boat because I don't see the commercials as they happen. And it's always the next day that I, I realize, oh, that's that thing they were talking about. Oh, that's, that's that thing right. that I saw the tweet about that I didn't know what the hell they were talking about. And I always feel even more out of touch than I. What, than what do you think Al Davis rolled over in his grave uh, at the start of that game? Do you think Al Davis, right? First off, it was a great tribute. I loved it, right? But I sat there going, man, Al Davis, this cool stadium. They lit the, you know, carbon fiber flame or whatever, which I'm all for being Captain Planet. You know that. But he had a he had to be up there in football heaven going. I mean, of all the two teams to, in the NFL to be in the first Super Bowl in the Raiders stadium. Right. I kind of got a chuckle out of that. He's sitting there going, wait, the Chiefs. The team, our rival, they get the Raiders Super the 49ers, our Bay Area rival who we competed with. Uh, there had to be a part of him up in football heaven, uh, you know, kind of kind of pissed off about that. The Only the way Al Davis could be. Well, and Pete Rozelle was probably laughing, laughing his ass off the, the whole time. Oh, yeah, time. you're right. He's next to him um, going, ah, look at those yeah, two teams. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, and look, but for the animosity between the 49ers and the Raiders, somebody else would be in Las Vegas right now. I assume a team would be in Las Vegas yeah. by now. It just wouldn't be the Raiders. They would have shared a stadium with the 49ers in the Bay Area and never left Oakland, but for the fact that the 49ers and the Raiders – can't work and play well together. They got to the point where they couldn't even play preseason games together because their fans were literally committing serious violence against each other at a preseason game. They stopped playing in the preseason for like eight, nine, ten years between the final years of the Raiders' time in the Bay Area and when they finally moved to Las Vegas. So, hey, it was a great facility. It was a great time. But, yeah. Raiders fans all the way up to Al Davis having to wonder, God, what did we do to deserve this? Our arch rivals in the AFC and the one team we despise in either conference in our building and the Chiefs, as we said last week, in the Raiders facility all week long getting ready for that game. How did it feel to be home? Oh. I'm still I still feel like I'm I'm still messed up on West Coast time a little bit. I'm not back, right? When I woke up this morning, I was like, 
whoa, it's 530. It, you know, it felt like it was 330 in the morning. You know, I know it's 230, whatever. I'm getting used to it, but I still felt like it was the middle of the night was the point. It was hard waking up this morning for sure. I took a nice nap yesterday afternoon, and, and that's part of my normal routine. I slept a little longer than usual because I slept four hours the night before. So last night, I was up till 2.30 and slept four hours, and I'll probably fall asleep for a couple hours this afternoon, and I have a feeling that's going to be my life for the next several days, four and two if I'm lucky, but I, I just I wasn't tired. I, I, I hit right around 11 o'clock, and, you know, Jill missed the dog, and I don't even think the dog slept back there. Jill started to get sick. She, said, I mean, she, may, she may have picked up a little something somewhere in the latter days of our trip to Las Vegas. She didn't feel him real well, so Ugh. I slept in the guest room last night. She didn't even want the dog back there last night, wow. so she didn't feel him real well. But, but uh, so that any night that happens, that's my ticket to stay up and work. And I was watching the game and a little copy-paste snarky comment, working on a couple other things. And next thing you know, it's 2 o'clock. By the time you fall asleep, it's 2.30. So I feel better today than yesterday, but it's just getting back into the groove. Went, went down to the barn last night. Hadn't been down there in 10 days. Had a little cigar, had a little drink, had a little relaxation. That was nice as well. So it's great to be home, even though we won't be home for very long because – the countdown's already begun, 12 Combine days coming. until we make the trip to Indianapolis. They got to do something about that. Two weeks is too much of a turnaround. It, it, two it, weeks I mean, is too quick. I feel bad, especially for the teams in the, in the Super Bowl. I mean, that, that's a hell of a turnaround. I, mean, I don't care about them. I just care about our, I care about our convenience. It, 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 well, it, for the NFL two weeks, calendar. Two weeks at home isn't long enough. I think it would make more sense to push it back, but we, we, don't, have, we don't have say on that one, uh, so I don't know. But um, I was going to say something. I forgot what the hell I was going to say, so I don't know. Let's just get going with the show. Totally forget. If they ever get their wish to add an 18th regular season game and everything gets kicked back another week, unless they move the combine, you're going to yeah. have one dead week. Right. One week to react and and break down the Super Bowl and all the aftermath of it, and then it's straight to Indianapolis. So hopefully that's not going to happen anytime soon. I don't think they should add another game. I think 17 is more than enough wear and tear. More than enough wear and tear on the body of NFL players, the idea of adding another one, which the NFL would love to do. Hopefully the union is able to fend that off when the next CBA negotiations come around in just about six or seven years. All right. Yesterday, the day that the 49ers cleared out the lockers, media availability, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch had a joint press conference, other players talking to reporters for the last time as this edition of the 49ers is gone forever. And We've learned that the last 30 years in the NFL each year, even though a lot of the guts stay the same for the most part, you have a lot of change too. this group of individuals is never going to come together again and pursue anything because people will be moving on. One guy who won't be moving on, won't be moving on from the San Francisco 49ers is quarterback Brock Purdy, unless Tom Brady changes his mind. I don't think that's going to happen again this year. Purdy talked to reporters yesterday about, among other things, that last play at the two-minute warning right. that we showed at the top yep. of the broadcast yeah. when Trent McDuffie blitzed from the slot. Here's Purdy talking about his thought process in that moment as McDuffie was approaching. Um, yeah, I mean, like regardless, I'm supposed to read it inside out. Um, J- JJ was hot, and I um, feel like you know going to him in a man-to-man situation is sort of what I was thinking. Um, but with yeah, him blitzing... There's a, I think there was an opportunity for me to hit BA there, and um, that's something that I have to learn from. And 
and uh, be real with myself about it. I told BA, obviously, like, man, you know, wish I wish I would have hit you there, at least attempted to go to you. Um, but, I mean, at practice, I've hit the outside slant a million times in that coverage, cover zero, and, and having our receiver win outside. And, um, and obviously, I trusted JJ to win a, a contested ball like, like it was going to be. So um, that's just what happened in the moment. Yeah, there's one problem with hitting that outside slant. You may have done it a million times in practice, but how many times in practice do you have a guy blitzing free from the slot getting in the way right. of what it is that you're trying to do? Yeah. And that, you got a split second to process. Right. A split second. Not that easy. Much. Right. And the guy's in his second year. <clears throat> and as we said the other day, and I think this was a great analysis by you. I'm going to give you a little compliment here because I'm still screwed up in jet lag. The idea that if you try that on Mahomes, you're screwed. Because he's going to, as you said, sidearm it around you or do a fake and run around you or just do that fake and buy time. Right. You're not going to send that slot corner because that slot corner isn't getting home against Mahomes. That slot corner, even though he didn't get to Purdy and sack him, he did enough to disrupt him. That's right. That is a pretty clear difference right now between where Mahomes is and where Purdy is in their respective career. No question. I think it's something that's fair to say about the offenses overall, right, is that when the 49ers blitzed, especially late in the game, it was the, the Chiefs were able to handle it because of Mahomes. You know, because of Andy Reid, they're creative up front. They know how they want to block things. And then Mahomes gets them to the right plays. So that's the big thing there. You know, I would definitely say one of the factors of the game was, you know, the Chiefs handled blitz better than the 49ers, as we know, right? I mean, again, that play there, hey, it's a tough one. Like you said, it's a split second. It's McDuffie off the edge. They do a great di- job disguising it, right? All right, rewind it for me, guys, before we show that. Look at this. So, Mike, he even says, right, the rule is inside out. And right, you know me, I watch the film, I write all these notes, I send them to our producers for my pod today, and one of the things I wrote yesterday was, why didn't he just throw it to Ayuk? That would, a lot of the times, your rules are not only double slant inside out, but the guy who has the blitzer over him, of course, has a guy that's deep trying to disguise it, so there's a voided area. Now, again, it's not always a perfect game in a perfect world, and I don't want to, you know, over-dissect the situation there. But I do think looking at this play, right, and having it back, and go ahead, guys, start at slow motion. If he gets the ball here, I think he could drop his – there's more of an angle to throw it to Ayuk. There is a lane between Bolden and McDuffie to where he's going. Rewind it one more time, guys. Or this, yeah, let that perfect. And you'll see that – He'd have a lane. Of course, the coverage was not as tight. And I think he, boom, you put the ball on him, he's going to get the first down, and the game is probably over. But that's why defensive coordinators and the great ones, sometimes, Mike, we hear that. I want to blitz them. I want to pressure them. I want to make them have to think under pressure because that's in those moments, like you said, split-second guy in your face, you sometimes don't think as clearly as you'd like, and all of a sudden you don't follow your rules exactly the way you should. Help me understand this, and if we can, take it back to the pre-snap look, please. Right. Because i got a question for Chris. If we can get back to that spot right before the snap, when you've got Trent McDuffie lining up. Now, okay. Yeah, so if you go back just a little bit. Freeze, freeze, freeze. Stop, stop. Just uh, stop back, 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 back. Yeah, go to the start of it. Right. Um, Right. Okay. Okay. So, so, he said something about 
in that situation going inside out. Right. Well, if it's inside out, why isn't Ayuk the first guy he's looking at if he's going inside out? That's what I'm out? saying. He Ayuk's should be. the guy on the inside. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. That's the, the rule. Now, he, he, what, what, are you, yeah. what, Mike? What, what, did, what are you saying? What, did did well, I explain it wrong? Yeah, no, 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 no. He said he goes inside out. So right. he's admitting he screwed it up. Yes. He's saying that right. he should have thrown it to Ayuk. Right. That the normal rule of inside out would have been Ayuk. Instead, for some reason, yes. he threw it to Juwan Jennings on right. the outside. And when you look at this pre-snap, and look, folks, we've all watched enough football to look at this and say you got man coverage on the outside, but you can see where Trent McDuffie is standing. He's almost trying to hide behind the defensive end in the eye line yeah. of Brock Purdy. Right. But you can see that Ayuk is not covered with a man trying to jam him at the line of scrimmage. No, the safety the is back that there. Ayuk could do there. Right. Yeah, you're not going to get Legereus Sneed on Tyreek Hill driven to the ground as you're trying to get off the line of scrimmage. You have a free release from Ayuk. So, Chris, this goes beyond, in my view, and it, it's it's easy to be critical. And as Homer Simpson once said, it's fun, too. But you look at this pre-snap, and this gets back to the difference between Mahomes and Purdy. And Purdy's in year two, and this is the biggest moment of his entire life up to that point. The most critical moment of his life. And you think about all the stuff he's thinking and trying to process but that's where you got to make it simple, and that's the difficulty. In that storm, how do you find the calm? And if you find the calm, I think any quarterback in the NFL, if you would show them this and you would say, what are you going to do here? It's like, well, well yeah, I'm going to throw the uncovered guy, the guy that's got the space. I got to gain, right. gain four yards, and my guy in the slot isn't covered. And, you know. He could do a little out. He could do an in. He could do a button hook. Do they still call it button hook? I don't know. He could do all sorts of things and get to the 30. All we're trying to do at that point is get to the 30 because we don't want to take the cheese and send a guy deep and take seven. No, well, they don't have time to do that. A minute and 53 seconds to match us. Right. Right. Yeah, let's, let's get it to the guy who isn't covered. And I just wonder, Chris, did Purdy see that? Did he react to it? Did he have the flexibility in the moment? How much is on the play clock there? He's still got nine seconds to yeah. snap the ball. Yeah. Still got nine seconds to diagnose. Still has time to look to the left and say, hey, I got an uncovered guy here in the slot. And I don't, again, I don't want to dump on the kid, but you got to ask yourself, if 15 in red sees that, he's he's licking his chops, isn't well, he? Yeah, I would agree. Most likely going to redirect protection. Now, listen, they called this play, and I think it's really cool, like the refs when we heard in the opening. I mean, oh, this is a big play. You don't want to give the ball back to Mahomes. I really think that's really cool that Bill Vinovich is that into the game and that aware. It is really. I, I, I found that awesome. But, I mean, you're saying the right things, Mike, here. And that's when watching it back on film yesterday it was a little surprising, guys, because, yeah, we first it's the Chiefs. We know they blitz in big moments. You know, second of all, usually in this concept on the bottom with the double slams, you go inside out. That's the natural order of that play in general, let alone guys now play the blitz, right, and you have space. And, look, Ayuk's looking for the ball coming right off, right, right away. So he's ready for it. He realizes his guy blitz. And my other point, Mike, I was trying to make is there was more of a lane between 32 and 22 to throw to the inside, right, 
to Ayuk rather than where he's throwing, which is trying to throw it through McDuffie's body, okay, right. and go there. So they were expecting blitz, right? And go ahead. What do you want to say? Because I have another point I want to no, make. No, no, no. Yeah. You're right. Right. Go ahead. No, right. keep going. This is good. All right. So they're expecting blitz. And by all due accounts, right, in the little clip we showed in the opening, they expected it too, right? Shanahan saw it. If, you let the, if we let that clip keep going, Shanahan, he is yelling for Purdy to throw the ball to Christian McCaffrey, when you watch back the mic'd up part of this on NFL films, go ahead guys. Yeah, this is great. This is perfect. Okay, great. So he's going Christian, 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 right? So he's obviously expecting the blitz too, but here again, let's go back to that play guys. If we can one more time, the execution's not proper. If he wants to go to Christian here, he's going to get hit from behind and it's going to be a strip sack fumble. Christian McCaffrey takes too long. Right. Let the play go, guys. You'll see him. He dances, right? Look at him make a move, a move, a move. Boom, right? Purdy's being hit by the time McCaffrey's coming out of his break to turn around. So that's another part of execution on McCaffrey's part that he has to be quicker there. He has to know it's blitz and go, wait, I got to get there because Purdy – I'm sure was told to play McCaffrey, but he realized it was getting on him so quickly that he wasn't going to have time with McCaffrey dancing around, and he tries to make the throw and, of course, makes the wrong decision, the wrong throw, and McDuffie makes maybe the play of the Super Bowl. Well, and look, if Kyle Shanahan is going to be saying, oh, Christian, oh, Christian, oh, Christian, he's got full control over that when he calls the play, when he tells Brock Purdy what the play is going to be, put in a play that is designed for Christian McCaffrey that was just seconds before that the the text I got that we talked about on Monday right in those moments it's about players not plays but you need a play that lets the player showcase what he can do and you're talking about a guy who was drafted the same year as Patrick Mahomes who's playing in a Super Bowl for the first time in his career is about to be 28 I believe who knows how many years he has left he's going to go out there and if he gets the ball in his hands, he will do anything and everything in his power to carry defenders to that orange stick. This is your moment, Christian McCaffrey, and McCaffrey knows it. That's why you get the ball in his hands on that play. I'm not saying you run it, but you got to have something in your bag of tricks. And I'm not talking about the Juwan Jennings throwback pass. You yeah, I hear that you. anyway. Right. I'm talking just a about normal, just a very basic good executed play. Get, you got, yeah. Get, get right. me four yards, Christian McCaffrey, right? This is Christian McCaffrey time season on the line, Super Bowl within our grasp. It's Christian McCaffrey time. Sorry, Debo. Sorry, George. Sorry, Brandon. Sorry, Juwan. Sorry, Brock. We're getting the ball some way, somehow, into Christian McCaffrey's hands, right. and he'll get us the four yards. Yeah. He'll get us the four yards. He's done nothing since we traded for him during the 2022 season to make us think, in a situation like that, he'll do anything other than get us those four yards. Right. That's where I think they made the original mistake. It all led up to Brock Purdy not reading this properly and getting the ball to Brandon Ayuk, but the original flaw, not having a play designed where it's just McCaffrey. It's one of those simple, because people are amazed. Somebody wanted me to ask you this, too. Yeah. When, when you've got these long, convoluted West Coast offense plays, like the one that you famously or infamously struggled right. with when you were a rookie, right. 
what the hell is it with all these corn dog play and Tom and Jerry play? Like, how do the Chiefs have these signature plays that that don't require a, an advanced Rosetta Stone course to understand how to get them out? Right, right. Well, it, it's a great question, right? It's the new age of the NFL a little bit with, hey, we want to no huddle, do all that. We got coded words, right? Wait, we got free agency and rookies coming in here every year. We can't have plays like John Gruden used to have, which are the longest plays in the history of the NFL, right? It's too much for <laughs> new free agents and young guys to learn at times. So teams started to go, wait, we got to simplify this a little bit. And so they've come up with code words. And when you have enough of the same guys all the time, and especially the same quarterback, right? And, you know, they put the play in with maybe the normal language at first. But once they start to get a hold of it, yeah, they tell you, hey, this play, we call this play in a hurry-up offense corn dog or, where, you know, mustard, whatever, right? And now you've run the play a few times. Now you're watching it on film a lot, and they're telling you the code word to where, oh, wait, now when the season starts, right, and they say mustard, 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 I just, I know where to line up. We know this play. I know it. I've got it. And that just continues to build. So you might go in the season with, you know, 10 or 12 plays that are code worded. And as the year goes on, you get done and you go, damn, our whole offense for the most part or every big play we need to get to is code worded. And that's kind of how that works. And yeah, the smart ones right now, that's what they're doing. Gives you more time in the line of scrimmage, right? Let's Mahomes dissect things. You know, corn dog, yellow, mustard, blah, 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 orange, orange, orange. They all meant something. Right, but it cut down the time of communication now to where he can evaluate, look at things, send the motion, boom, go, and put the pressure on the offense, and that's that's the beauty behind uh, those coded words, Mike. Goes back four years to three words in the English language that 49ers fans never want to hear in this order: jet and chip and wasp. Yeah, that's and that right. That was the play, that, right? That. That turned things around when the Chiefs were down 10 with seven minutes left when Tyreek Hill sprang open and that moment where it felt like the 49ers are going to win this Super Bowl. It's like maybe they, maybe they, maybe they won't. Maybe, maybe the Chiefs well, are going to, yeah, are going to pull something out of right. their butts on right. this as they did, as they always seem to do when exactly. Patrick Holmes is in the clutch <laughs> in a postseason game. If we haven't learned that by now, we know that. More on that in a second. I do want to say one thing. Yeah, I want to pa- mention one the Bill Vinovich. Too. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, hey, let, let me mention this, this is yeah. this is unrelated right. to the play itself. You 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 know you were impressed by the fact that Bill Vinovich was in the moment and aware right. of the game, and right. you're, you know how, you know you 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 can compartmentalize enforcing and applying the rules and being aware of all the rules in the rule book while also being aware of the fact this is a pretty cool moment. Yeah. You know, this is it. Right. Bowl's coming down to it. We're just going to stand back and see what happens. Yeah. But, you know, Mike and up Bill Vinovich, hey, there's an idea NFL at a time where you want to make people not think the fix is in. Maybe this is another way to do it. I've been advocating – Full transparency for replay review. I've been advocating having the referee available for a press conference after every game so questions can be answered in real time the same way they're answered by coaches and players. Let's mic these officials up. Let's make that audio available. I mean, you can turn it into a revenue stream. Let's hear what they're talking about. Just because if people see that, that just helps get people who are inclined to put on a tinfoil hat to say, wait a minute. They're making all this available. Now, I'm sure some of them would say, oh, it's been falsified. But they're making it available. They're not hiding anything. We can hear what they say. 
We can hear what the communications are. Well, what would they be up to if they're making all that available in real time? Hell, have an alternate feed where you can hear the mic'd up officials the whole game. If you want transparency, even if only 50 people would watch it, the fact that it's available yeah, says a is lot. the kind of thing the NFL needs to do. When this question comes up, hey, guys, what are you doing to counter this widespread mistrust in the NFL, this belief among fans that the games are fixed? The word salad they always offer about, well, we're doing education on, on inside information and betting this, and they can't do this, and the employees can't do that. None of that means crap to the person who thinks the fix is in. Transparency is what convinces the people who think the fix are in. So there's something there with this Vinovich audio. There's something there with having real-time audio available from the referees if you want people to believe that the fix isn't in. All right, I'm done. No, I'm I'm with you there. I like what you said. You're right. And that that didn't even, you know, hit hit me in the brain there the right way. You're right. That would be a good way to – calm the waters a little bit and and some of the crap oh wait wait you don't think you know our referee was all over this well listen to this right here you know here it is here it is boom. he's having a conversation he's here all it over it boom yeah. bam all right i'm with you there um but you know getting back to just the blitz and stuff like that and you were kind of hitting on it the chiefs i mean just every the chiefs maximized the game and that they only had a few opportunities to make big plays and do things and they maximized and took advantage of almost all of them right the 49ers had more opportunities and didn't take advantage of all of them. I think that's the one thing I would say, right? You know, certainly left some meat on the bone, more points, more control of the game, whatever you want to say there. Brock Purdy, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he didn't play bad, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you he played like great or anything either. It was solid. It was solid. I mean, you got plays like that, you know. At the end of the day, he made really no plays in the game to kind of help the team get over the hump, get the two-score lead, any of those. That would be the big thing. Where Mahomes, of course, as we know as the game went on, started making plays out of his butt everywhere we went. And really, it was the big moments and, you know, back to the blitz. Whether we don't read it right with Ayuk and throw the inside slant or we didn't tell Christian McCaffrey, hey, if they blitz, you can't be jitterbugging around for five seconds before you come out of the break. Then also, let's go, guys, to the last uh, the last play of overtime, right, for the 49ers. You, what are the Chiefs going to do? They're going down swinging. They're going to blitz, right? And again, this one's not on Brock Purdy. This time, it confuses the right guard. He doesn't know who to take. Now, the general rule would be block the best defensive tackle in football named Chris Jones, who's over you, but nonetheless, big moment, people moving around, the blitz comes, and it gets him to, you know, think differently than he might have if he was calm and and cool and collect. But the pressure of the moment of the blitz, and go ahead, play it, guys. You'll see Buford, the, the right guard, he steps down to take Nick Bolden. He didn't need to. He didn't need to do that. The the garden center were over there. Rewind it one more time, guys. So you see it, Mike? See how the center and left guard, they have Nick Bolden, and I believe that's 98 Wharton at the other D tackle. Buford, the right guard, has Chris Jones over his right shoulder and for some reason blocks down on Nick Bolden, leaving Chris Jones unblocked. And, of course, in one of the biggest moments of the game, one of the best defensive players in football because of the blitz, because of spags, 
they mess it up, and that leads to Purdy not being able to wait on Jawan Jennings, who's going to be open probably for a touchdown. And you could see Ayuk open in the back of the end zone, who's wide open. They're going to have options. But again, the pressure, the ability for the Chiefs to execute under the pressure, and the 49ers buckling a little bit there uh, certainly was the difference of the game. That prompted John Feliciano to have to go to Twitter. Oh, I saw that. There was a, a clip of him blaming Spencer Buford for missing the the block. Somebody uh, was blaming somebody else on social Chris media Jones. and within sticking up for, right. I think, somebody else. He ended Colton up, McKivitz. You're right, West that's Virginia's right. Colton McKivitz. Colton McKivitz. He throws, he throws Buford under the bus, and Buford wakes up to that. It's like, oh, yeah, thanks. Thanks, teammate. Thanks for telling everybody I messed up. Yeah. <laughs> Feliciano was injured. Buford took his place, and Buford got on and said, Sheesh, I open up my app to this. Get well soon, bro. And Feliciano said, Sorry, bro. Had a lot of bro going on there. I woke up hungover and being a bitch and trying to have ones back. I heard blah, blah, blah. I effed up and I apologize. Yeah, so that's the thing. He was trying to have McKivitz's back, right. and he threw Buford under the bus for not getting to Chris Jones in that moment. But, you know, you said something about Brock Purdy, and I've got people saying, oh, you guys are being too hard on Brock Purdy, and you're giving too much praise to Mahomes. Baloney. Okay, Purdy's young, and he's got a lot to learn, and we don't know where his ceiling is. It was a hell of an experience. It was a hell of a time to be thrown into the fire. And, you know, in past years, I've focused on Jimmy Garoppolo having Emmanuel Sanders wide open and just missing him. Super Bowl 54. Super Bowl 53, Jared Goff having Brandon Cooks wide open twice right. in a 13-3 game. And first time not seeing him, second time seeing him too late and getting the ball out too late and delivering it in a spot where Jason McCourty was able to go over and break it up. And that would have been the game if he connects there in this one. And I'm trying to remember some of the moments from Super Bowl 55, but the Buccaneers led the chiefs 21, six at halftime. Tom Brady, I assume took advantage of what was there in the first half of that game to get the chiefs down 15, right? That was the opportunity that Purdy had. Because one of the things early on, the the Chiefs were getting dominated on both sides of the line. Yes. Their 100%. offense couldn't get anything going. And the 49ers offense was making it click. And right. there were times where Purdy was back there. He's back there. Oh, he had all day. The 49, and the Chiefs He's couldn't looking, get I mean, around him for, for the first half of the game. They couldn't get to him. Now, if Tommy's back there, and somebody asked me this question on Monday, and I forgot all about it. What if they had gotten Tom Brady? as Kyle had wanted in March. And what if they had gotten to that game and everything else was equal around the quarterback? What does Brady do if he's got all that time? First of all, he doesn't need it because he knows who's open or going to be open before he even gets a ball in his hands. But there was an opportunity there by Purdy to get that two-score lead, to make the Chiefs pay, to not let the Chiefs hang around, to not make it easy for them to get back into it, to avoid that moment where... You get the muff punt, and one play later, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is in the end zone with the football, and how in the hell do the Chiefs lead this game yeah. where they've been dominated right. throughout? Right. That's where Purdy and his youth and inexperience hurt the 49ers because you get Tom Brady in that game, and maybe it is 21-6 at the half. Yeah. Maybe it's worse than 21-6 at the half given the way the 49ers were dominating the Chiefs the first 30 minutes. Tom Brady's not going three for 12 in the on third downs. That's the biggest thing. In the NFL, there's a phrase with third downs. That's quarterback down. That's why almost every year 
they've been in the league, Mahomes and Josh Allen are at the top of third down per conversion percentage because it's like, well, they know we're throwing. I know I got to throw. I got to be aggressive and make a throw, right? And they make it happen. And, of course, there was, you know, uh, Mahomes who, what were they, 9 for 19, right? But 9 for 19 and, you know, of those, okay, certainly a way better percentage than 25%. But some of those, too, where it's just like, ooh, wow, I mean, that was a great throw or a great play to even get the first down and I get them over the hump. But I think to your point, I mean, I hear what you're saying, Mike. Brock Purdy, I know the 49ers are going to stick up for him. I know Shanahan made a comment that thought, said he played unbelievable. The game certainly wasn't too big for him. It wasn't too bright, right? But, yes, I sit here and go, wait, if they had a big-time superstar quarterback, do I think they would have been up more than 10-3 at half? Yeah, that's what I do. I know that's hard to say and maybe not even fair, but that's a that's what is an honest comment that goes through my brain in this. And then, yeah, like I said, you know, Mahomes and the Chiefs, they had to play a different style, you know. They know they're not a great offensive juggernaut. He had to be kind of conservative, play through the defense, do all that. But like you said, the 49ers had it there. There was people to be had. There is a chance where we could have hit Ayuk. We could have hit Debo on a shallow cross to keep things going on third downs or make a big play or do any of that. And those are the moments where you go, you know, hey, more experienced, a big-time quarterback, maybe they make a few of those plays and put the Chiefs in a position, to your point, that is too much to overcome late in the game that they can't even come back and Mahomes can't even work his magic. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. Extra, give it to you. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Extra, give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. You might not think that a few simple words could make you crave McDonald's breakfast sandwiches. But if you listen closely to the sound of me saying, McGriddles, McMuffin, you might be wrong. That all leads up to, obviously, what happened after the 49ers failed to convert third and four with two minutes left. Yep. The Chiefs get 153. They work their way down the field. They kick a field goal to tie the game and force overtime. Fred Warner goes out for the 49ers. Patrick Mahomes goes out for the Chiefs. The coin is tossed. The 49ers win it, and they choose to take the ball at a time when, number one, the Chiefs were planning, if a touchdown had been scored, to go for two if they scored a touchdown, to not have that third drive in overtime, that first drive of sudden death. That was the reason given yeah. by Kyle Shanahan after the game. That's why it's important for people to be available when they haven't had a time to come up with a better explanation than whatever the truth is. The truth is more likely to surface 
in that moment. Why did you do what you did? Here's why I did it. When you have a couple of days to think about it, you might come up with a few other reasons. Now, I'm not saying they're not true, but they're things that weren't said at the time when it was all fresh. Yeah, I hear you. And there are things that you could, on reflection, and maybe it's just, you know, I hadn't really thought it through. It was all moving pretty quickly. and I was kind of in a bad mood because we just lost the Super Bowl. Right. Here's other reasons why I did what I did. So, on Tuesday, when it was Shanahan and John Lynch meeting with reporters, the question inevitably came up, and it started this way. It was sparked by this perception slash reality that the Chiefs players, to a man, knew the nuances of the overtime rule and what the team's strategy was going to be if they went to overtime. And the 49ers players, based on sound from guys like fullback Kyle Juszczyk, didn't know that's how it was put to Lynch and Shanahan. Did their players know what the rules for overtime in the postseason were? Here's what they had to say. We did say, and we told everyone as we were waiting for the coin toss, hey, review everyone with to make sure they're sure before we go out. So we asked the position coach to do that, but I didn't cover it in a meeting on the Super Bowl week. I don't think that changes anything. Um, we did it with our analytics department. We decided that going into the playoffs. What, you know, I think you guys know how I've explained how I make decisions with that stuff in the past. I take all the information I can get, um, especially ones I haven't been in, and um, our analytics felt that was the best way to go. But as you guys know, I don't always just go with that. Uh, I take into account what they say, what they think is right, and then I go off my gut in the heat of battle, and I knew what they felt going into it. And when I think about that during the moments I have to make the decision, I think the type of game it was did match what they felt was the best way to do. It did seem more like a field goal game. Um, and our defense had been out there for a real long time right before that. So uh, it was no, I didn't feel at all to override that at the time. Some other context. I believe we just closed, I think it was 11 play drive that we just closed the game with. And when you're playing Mahomes, you're chasing them a lot, you know. So there's a lot of effort that's expended. I think, you know, the context from there is you, you need some time to get fresh. And so all those things play into it. And, and those, those were sound decisions. Now, I get it. One factor, defense is tired. That was something everyone else was saying on Shanahan's What I was saying Monday morning, right? Yeah, right. Right, right. Something he didn't say. Number two, somebody's been watching the show because a field goal game isn't some common, I don't know, maybe it is, but that's how we blurted it out the next day, and that's what Kyle said. It was a field goal game. That's a reason to stick with the predetermined plan to try to set this up so you get that third possession and over time that first crack at sudden death. Now, and Mahomes, third factor. Right. You're chasing Mahomes around. Not only is our defense tired, but we're expecting them to go back out there while they're tired and chase around Patrick Mahomes. Right. Three quick points. Yeah. Three quick points. Yep. And let's start here. How could you not factor into your, your thought process the reality that you're going to potentially put Mahomes in a position where he's got the ball and a chance to go get Super Bowl win number three. And we've seen directly and indirectly over the past six years what this guy does in clutch moments. And we're going to give him that. We're going to set the table. We're going to gift wrap for him. That's, that's an a legitimate question. Whether right. we get right. three or seven, we're giving him an opportunity to go add to his legend. Let's right. not even give him the opportunity. Right. Let's make him go first. Let's not even gift him with a chance to go do something that adds to the legend of Patrick Mahomes. Let's try to craft 
the legend of Brock Purdy. Let's let him be the guy who goes out there and does these things and makes his way. And maybe, as you're, you know, you're talking about that gut reaction yeah. instincts based upon everything right. that's happened. Maybe Brock's thinking, or, or Kyle's thinking. Well, you know, we. It's not like Brock has gone out and seized this thing by the horns. This game, we had some opportunities in the first half. Right, that's where that was points. another one of the reasons we brought up Monday. Right, you know, you now know? you got the pressure. Yeah. You're down seven, and oh no, yeah. Mahomes went down. That's part of it. But I mean, the point you bring up, I think, is very real. Right. I think maybe with a very short list group of quarterbacks, you might have to go, you know, like the hell with analytics, right? The hell with my pre-plan. Now, and again, I, this is hard, and 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 I don't, I'm still don't think Shanahan's necessarily wrong here with his decision. Like, not at all. I think we're we're showing there's certainly points to be made to why he played it the way he did. But yeah, the more you think about it, you know, these type of situations. Oh, okay, we want to go in the game and be the team that gets a third. Wait, who are we playing? Oh, it's Mahomes. Oh, it's Joe Burrow. Oh, it's Stafford. Oh, it's Josh Allen. Oh, you know, maybe forget that. We'll 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 kick the ball off. Right, we'll we'll give them the ball first, right? I think those that short list of guys right there, you better be careful with what your pre plan, you know, analytics might be in those scenarios, to your point. And again, I'm not saying Shanahan's wrong, but it's something I think that, you know, in the future, this is the first time we've seen this, that, yeah, teams better think of those type of aspects rather than just the formula in the meeting they had the week before. And at the risk of further angering the fine folks of the analytics community. <laughs> You're funny. This is one of the problems you get into. Look, let's, let's, let's apply real-world human factors to the organizational dynamics of the 49ers or any other team when you're looking at a situation like this, okay? They pre-baked their approach to playoff overtime. Right. That was clear from Kyle's comments yesterday. They decided, the analytics people decided, before we get to the playoffs, we know we're going, well, hey, there's this new wrinkle. We got to be aware of it. And we've decided, after crunching all the numbers and looking at all the scenarios and considering every potential option, that the best thing for us to do, as a matter of analytics, yeah. is to take the ball. So wait, Because the, we the, want the third possession. The Chiefs predetermined, too, right? I mean, they predetermined by all due accounts. Yeah. All right, I cool. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah. They, okay. Right. But, but, but my, here's my point. Right. I'm defending Kyle. Yeah. So let me keep going. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so the analytics people do what they do. While Kyle's trying to coach the team, these folks in the analytics department, and I, you know, I know they don't like it when I say this, but a coach with another team said this was a way into the business for a lot of people who otherwise would have Definitely. no path into the business. Definitely. Let's create this little sub-industry right. within football operations where we have relevance, where we have power, where we have influence in situations like this. We're going to crunch the numbers, and we're going to sell this internally that this is what we need to do. So when Kyle is otherwise worried about coaching the team – He's got to carve out some of his own time apart from everything else he's got to do to say, hey, folks, you know what? Have you, is, there a, is there a formula within the formulas that takes into account that you may have some badass quarterback who relishes the opportunity to have that second possession if we score a field goal or a touchdown and stick it up our butts? Have we taken that into account? Because there's a few guys that we should probably be willing 
to adjust the Formula 4. And I know you got a formula for everything, <laughs> analytics crowd. Well, we need the Mahomes twist on this formula. <laughs> yeah. We need to think about that, especially if we cross paths with it's him, as we point. will if we ever do very fair in point. the Super Bowl. Right. Now, here's the other, here's the other thing yeah. that becomes a problem, okay? When you're Kyle Shanahan and you are in that moment and you've got a stew of factors that is influencing whether you're going to go along with what this subgroup of team employees who have a ton of influence because they're smarter than everybody else, just ask them, am I going to push back against them? Who do I want to have to deal with? You know, we all got to deal with shit in our lives. Who do I want to deal with? Sorry, Bernie. Do I want to deal with the questions? Thank you. Alabama and UK. Uh, <laughs> Do I, do I want to deal with the questions from the reporters who I only have to see one more time after this game? Or do I want to deal with these people who are going to be talking about me behind my back to Jed York and Parag Marate and all these other people who are the real power brokers? Dr. York. Dr. York's going to hear it. Dr. York's the one that, you know, kind of gave me the little shake I needed to draft Brock Purdy when I was getting caught up in football stuff. They're going to be talking about it upstairs when we do it they're going to be talking about it after the game they're going to be huddled in the corner at the after party they're going to feel like much of a party they're going to be on the plane talking about it they're going to have this meeting god i don't want to deal with that i'm just going to go along i'm going to go along with what the analytics people said i should do because i don't want to deal with all this crap on the back end you can't deny that that is a real dynamic in these teams now that the analytics people have a foothold and they have influence and they have power, when you're making a decision that goes against what they've already told you to do, Chris, 100%. you got to be ready to deal with a lot of crap right. on the back end. Right. That might be the real reason why he went along with it. Hey, I, I mean, listen, I don't know. I have, you know, I've yet to talk to my buddy right after this football game. Right. All I've done is send him a text, and you know, I I haven't heard anything, and I don't expect to hear anything. But that's a very real. I don't even know that he aspect. would be able to articulate it well, or because, be willing to say I it. mean, your point is real. It's why a lot of the old school coaches don't love the analytics department in the building, right? Analytics were already part of the game. What do you think these teams are breaking down all this film for and putting it in certain columns and everything? It's analytics. They're breaking, oh, wait, when they do this, we, we, we break it down a little bit. Now, listen, there's a benefit to that. But, yeah, the problem is a lot of those guys certainly have a zero football background. And then the second thing, to your point, is the judgment day meeting every town that coaches have to deal with. Oh, the analytics department and the, and the owner now are together, and they want to question you Monday after the game and go, why did you do this here? Why did you do this here? Why did you do this here? And that stuff, I mean, again, I don't know if it played a part in this one, but certainly plays a part in like what you're talking about with coaches making these decisions a lot through the NFL season. One of the chapters in Playmakers focuses on the rise of analytics, and a general manager told me as I was gathering information and doing my research to put that together that one of the realities of analytics and the rise of analytics within football organizations is that they're in a position where it's almost like a Cyrano de Bergerac thing where they are loading up the owner with questions and comments that are posed to the coaches where Coaches can no longer bamboozle owners with jargon. And the owners just sit there and don't say anything because they understand it's always better to keep your mouth shut and be perceived a fool than to open it and confirm 
that you don't know what you're talking about. I've bastardized the quote, but that's all right. Fool me once, shame on, shame on me. Fool me, the can't fool me The bottom line again. is owners can't fool me, can't, can't, can't get fooled, can't, fool, fool me, can't get fooled again. But uh, the owners can't get fooled again now by the coaches who are talking about double-A gap blitzes and crossing the face and all this other stuff right, that right. makes the game seem more complicated than it is. Yep. They've got these Ivy Leaguers with advanced degrees saying, ask him this. What about this? Ask him about this. Ask him about that. And I'm telling you, Chris, I hadn't really thought of it. This is one of the benefits of like spending three days focusing on one game. I really do think whether he acknowledges it or not, whether he even is aware of it or not, I really think at the end of the day, having to deal with the analytics people on the back end and all the stuff they could say about him internally when he's not around had to be a factor in deciding to go along with the plan to take the ball. Yeah, I, 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 you know, again, I don't know how it all went down, but, you know, certainly as an aspect of coaching in the NFL right now where there is extra pressure on the coaches to listen to that department. And, yeah, there's, you know, some tangible numbers that can prove them wrong that they can go, wait, but, you know, I was there on the field and this guy couldn't block this guy and we could all feel on the sideline that, like, they had the momentum and we did, like, you know, again, those are the things. But, then, yeah, you're right. You got the analytics guy and go, like, nope, this, this number says this and I told the owner and now we got this number and there's just more to it than that. Uh, hopefully this didn't affect my man Kyle Shanahan. I doubt it did. And the overall game and the overall big picture of things because he's such a strong personality. And at the end of the day, he is in full control there at that organization. And he usually does, you know, what he thinks is best football wise. But I think it's fair to certainly question that. Well, first of all, you're in full control of the organization until you're not. Yeah, right. And this That's is the kind too. of thing that can become a cancer to your ability to continue to be in charge. And, you know, the analytics crowd, this is something we've said before, but, oh, oh well, if you do this 1,000 times, 502 times it'll go our way and 498 times it won't, so we got to do it this way. This is the only one time that matters, though. The other 501 don't matter. Or the other 499 don't matter. This is the one time that matters. We've got to make a good decision right now. We've got to execute it the right way. One last point, and I didn't think it was related, but it is. We talked yesterday about the buy-in that the Chiefs had to their plan. It becomes part of the fun. The players come up with play ideas. The coaches and the players are in communication all the time. Hey, guys, here's what we're going to do. If we're going to give them the ball first, and if they score a touchdown, we, we trust our defense to maybe step up and not let them. But if they do... We know we're going to drive down and we're going to score. We're going for two, baby. Right. We're going to do something that's never been done before. We're going all in. What do you think of that? Isn't that cool? Whereas Kyle Shannon didn't feel the need to even, you know, talk, I don't need to talk about it with the players. It's a matter of analytics. And it makes you wonder if he even considers player buy-in because he's not really buying in. He's just going along. But but I I do think that on that that continuum of, Bill Belichick, who doesn't care what anyone thinks other than himself, and Andy Reid, who understands the value of empowering people to be involved in the thought process and the decision-making and getting everyone on board with what you're doing. On that continuum, Kyle Shanahan was way closer to Belichick than Reid because nobody even knew what their plan was. No one in the locker room knew what their plan was. You're, you're coaching a team here, a team of players. And I think, Chris, this does go back to the idea that they treated it more like you know, a laboratory experiment 
something theoretical and not something practical. Yeah. And if it's truly practical, if there's something there you can get your arms around, you get your players excited about it too, like the Chiefs did. Yeah, I hear you there. And I think that's a valid point. It's something that, you know, as we go on, those are things you got to think about a little bit. It's new. It's new to the league, right? The Chiefs maximized the opportunity and we're ready for it. The 49ers, you know, yeah, didn't didn't really take advantage of the opportunity, and and it seems like kind of just went by the numbers, right? And I think at the end of the day, that that's why we're all sitting here evaluating it. And I think the numbers, blah blah blah, and all of that, you got to think of them differently when there's greatness on the other sideline at the quarterback, the Brady's, the Manning's, the Mahomes, whatever. You get to that crew of guys. I don't give a I don't give a shit what your formula is. You better rethink and have a feel of the game Sorry, in the moment, right? Sorry, Manchester. Uh so, um, bottom line, bottom line, to put it all in a nutshell before we take a break, and this is the second day in a row that we've consumed nearly a full hour. Yesterday we went over an hour. We'll get there. If <laughs> You're I like a talk. child. You're but, like a child. You're like so happy every day. You're like, oh, look, look, we got to a full hour in the segment. Every, you love it. I've never seen anybody we giggle have, more about it. <laughs> I, 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 I love to put future Florio in bad spots, whether it's staying up till 2.30 or whether it's consuming the first hour of a program knowing that we're going to have to scramble to get six seconds yeah. into second Courtney hour. in but the background is telling you to, to shut this. up and get to the next segment. <laughs> it, 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 came, it came down to this. Your buddy Kyle Shanahan would rather deal with annoying headlines from me then deal with having to worry about someone from that analytics group trying to stick a knife into his back in dealing directly with ownership. That's it. In a nutshell, that's why he went with the plan. He'd rather be criticized by us or others in the media than be sabotaged by people in the building, plain and simple. And coaches definitely are worried about that because when they're out there in the fray doing the job, everybody else is huddled up in the suite and they're whispering. Oh, he did. Oh, he should have done this. Oh, he should have done that. And that whispering can continue and it can spread and it can grow. And the next thing you know, the head coach is no longer the head coach of the team. All right, break time. When we return, some more from yesterday's locker cleanout day for the San Francisco 49ers next year on PFT Lock. You might not think that a few simple words could make you crave McDonald's breakfast sandwiches. But if you listen closely to the sound of me saying, McGriddles, McMuffin, you might be wrong. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 